welcome to the Ugly Betty Podcast. I'm Steven. I'm George. And we're here to talk about episode two, The Box and a Buddy, written by Silvio Horta and directed by Cherie Polkson. Polkson? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I have it in my notes right here. And this was the first episode that was shot in Los Angeles because the pilot was shot in New York City. But then when the show got picked up, ABC decided to move it to Los Angeles. And Vanessa Williams had to think long and hard if she wanted to do it or not because Vanessa Williams is based in New York and she wasn't sure if she wanted to be away from her family, but thank God she still decided to do the show despite the commuting back and forth between New York and L.A. Thank you, Vanessa, for giving me the... How can I say this nicely? Thank you for giving me the permission to be a diva and give the attitude I give to my other friends so they might hate you, but I love you. So, thank you. You made one hell of a likable villain. Yes, you did. And you inspired me so much to be a villain in my own life. There's no other actress who could have done that role as flawless as you did. Exactly. So, where does this episode start, George? Well, um, just starting right off the bat, I love the joy that America Ferreira brings to Betty when she's setting up her office desk. <laughs> You can just see that she's in her own little world and there's such a joy there when she's setting up her desk. Yeah, and I I like how she's just like completely oblivious to Mars, just face like, okay, that's a choice. I love how deliciously condescending Michael Yuri is as Mark when he goes, so you. <laughs> so different, so you. <laughs> <laughs> like I love how he took that breath in the middle like that nice pause to soak in that moment like that that flying monkey moment and where where did the episode goes next well I mean this is obviously about a movie star who's doing a um, cover of mode and a spread and obviously the big the big topic in this is retouching yes and appearances and how appearances are everything that's a theme through the whole episode that you know should you be judged by your appearance and we have we all deal with that and i love that natalie is clearly based on renee zellweger yeah and jenna fletcher is clearly bridget jones i mean even if you look at the episode the poster looks just like a Bridget Jones movie poster. Have, she is in the center and two guys are side by side. I have not seen Bridget Jones' Diary I at haven't all. either and I want to watch them now because I know she got nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress for, for the, the first, first one, movie. Yes. I know the, the follow-up books and the follow-up movies weren't as well received, but a lot of people liked Bridget Jones' Baby. What was the so reason did, one that came out? That was 2016, 2016. Bridget Jones' Baby, and that one had Patrick Dempsey in it, and that was like his first big post- Grey's Anatomy thing. I thought that was Transformers was his first big post one. No, he was still in Grey's Anatomy when he did Transformers. The third one? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. 20 of 2011. He was still a part of the... He didn't leave Grey's Anatomy until 2015, I believe. You know way too much about Grey's Anatomy. Well, it's one of the most successful. It's now going to surpass ER for the longest running medical primetime drama. Yeah, but it will never be SNL as long, like a long running television show. Because, you know, SNL's top, and, you know, you'll never be Doctor Who, Grey's Anatomy, I'm just saying. 
But we I, always win. All my praise and respect to Shonda Rhimes. She Shonda Rhimes is one queen. hell of an empire. Yes, so, I love Shonda. I will always revere, and that was what started her empire was Grey's Anatomy. That was her first hit show. That yeah, because of Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, then Scandal, then How to Get Away with Murder, and then now Station Nineteen. That's Shondaland. Uh, Shondaland, <laughs> and then she's making a new show for Netflix. Do you know that? Yes, because she um, made that huge deal. Netflix, with Netflix is smart. I mean, they got Shonda Rhimes for a deal. They got Ryan Murphy for a deal. Netflix is really smart. That was a big. That was like a hundred million or something dollar deal for Beyond, Ryan Murphy. Beyonce has a three picture deal with Netflix. Oh, yeah, Homecoming was just first of three pictures. What? Yes. Really? Beyonce has a three picture. Oh, my gosh, I'm learning this live, people. <laughs> Anyways, uh, back to the episode. Yes, you're, back you're to gonna, the episode. You're going to learn this from listening to our podcast that we're going to digress sometimes. Yes. But, but back to the, um, obviously, we're still, this is the second episode, we're, so we're still getting to know the characters, we're still getting to know the story, we're still getting to figure out the story. Because obviously season one is a mystery. Yes. For the first half of the season, it's a mystery. Till episode 15. Yes. It's a giant mystery. And everybody cannot stop talking about Faye Summers. Yes. And I love how Faye Summers is clearly Anna Wintour. Exactly. I mean, it's clearly her. I mean, yeah. she looks like her. She's dressed up like Anna Wintour. I mean, they went they went way closer to Anna Wintour. The only thing that's this. different in they... Her up, her, she ate, they ate her up. Yeah, but I mean, Meryl Streep still looked like an entirely different person than Anna Wintour. I mean, they really went there with this Faye Summers character making her look exactly like Anna Wintour. That was a wink. We get, <laughs> we see you. And, and obviously, as we talked about in the last episode, I'm sorry, you were about to say something? Oh yeah, I want to point out something from the last episode to this episode. During the whole scene at the table i know we're skipping ahead but the scene when they were all eating empanadas in the lunchroom christian shaw's not there because they replaced her kept the same name for the character but christian shaw famously plays louise the bob's burgers is not there and that you know i wonder my what heart. happened i don't know remember i think because they moved it from new york to uh. la and they they're maybe like, she was still based in new york at the time and she didn't want to move to la yeah because i think maybe a few this was around a time, maybe, like, a couple years later, she was going to do Dirty Rock. Because she was on Dirty Rock for a few episodes in the last season, or the second to last season. And she was really funny. I love Christian Shaw. I do, too. Yeah, she's she's amazing. Anyways, um, as we were talking about in the, in, the, in the last episode, obviously, this came out on the heels of The Devil Wears Prada. And the Devil Wears Prada was a big hit, so of course this was a perfect opportunity for ABC to capitalize on that. And so of course the Devil Wears Prada references continue into this episode. What references did they have, George? Well, um, I love the montage that shows the importance of the book. Yes! And obviously, for those of us who watched Devil Wears Prada like myself and knew nothing about fashion, <laughs> you, you learned how important the book was when you watched that movie and this tv show does the same thing there's a whole montage that they shot that shows you the importance of the book and his father was calling scolding him said i don't search for cheese for dummies like the book daniel <laughs> <laughs> and i loved um i mean what i love about america ferrera's work in this in this show and as her character in ugly betty is she um 
I love Betty's, just her face and her reactions to all the retouching they're doing to poor Natalie in those pictures. Yeah, and I would like to point out the actor who was playing the assistant, he was also in Buffy the Vampire Slayer for season three, for our arc, he was the mayor's assistant. Michael Yuri? No, no, the assistant to Natalie. Oh, okay. He he was in a, he was played this the assistant deputy mayor in Buffy the Vampire Slayer season three. It was a huge big deal. It was important to the series, but you know. And then of course, um, after all the retouching happens, Wilhelmina, who is Vanessa Williams's character, if you're watching or if you're listening to this for the first time, uh, basically intervenes and says, "We are about aspirational." And why, with the help of modern time technology, you look as great as par... I forgot the line. Well, I mean, poor Betty has to keep her opinions to herself. And, she, and Natalie blatantly asked her, and she said, Oh, I, I... And then, you know, when Daniel comes in and goes, You can go from hot to super hot. As editor-in-chief... And, I want to take something hot and make it super hot. And, and it's like, just, it's just it, well, it just shows how truly misogynistic the fashion industry can be. I think it's maybe getting better now. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to keep in mind, for, for those of you listening, all of these episodes were shot in 2006. Obviously, we have come a long way in the fashion industry, but back in the back in the day, the fashion industry was very strict and very misogynistic and very blunt and women women were only allowed to be one way and that was it they had to be tall they had to be skinny they had to be perfect and they had to be a size two or maybe a four if they're lucky and if they were rare and if they were very lucky a six and that is and that's considered because sample sizes i learned this from watching america's next top model actually because when they had a plus size model there going on two uh, going on go sees, she was like a size eight or a size ten, but sample sizes are two, four, and six. Those are sample sizes. But I love me a plus size model. Curves in all the right places. Go girls. I love y'all. Women for the win. And um immediately going back to the episode, um, I love how Wilhelmina still tries to keep control of the book by going don't be afraid to delegate. And that was the best power. That was a great power struggle scene. It's like, I'm. I want the book. It's my job. And she's like, okay. And then she turned around. And you're like, okay. You want to play now, bitch? Let's play. <laughs> <laughs> and the, this whole episode is like, well, I mean, it's like, like we saw Wilhelmina scheme in the last episode, and this is like her semi-hardcore scheming, like. What she can do, we'll learn in the future season, the later in the season, and later in the series how far she will go, especially season two. That is vintage Wilhelmina. And then, um, going back to what you were talking about earlier about the empanadas, mm-hmm. I mean, what I love about it is Betty is her true, authentic self. And she completely embraces her Latina culture. Yes. And I love how we learned this in the first episode, but Betty has found her tribe at the office. Yes, Christina and the other two girls, but they won't appear in a later episode. It was only for the first two episodes. But they're her friends. Yes. They're her allies. They're her confidants. And, and I like to imagine that they're still there in the future of the show, that 
Betty just goes to them off screen, but we only see Christina. And then I love how down-to-earth Natalie is herself. Yeah. Have you ever met a down-to-earth celebrity yourself? Um, yeah, actually. Um, Whoopi Goldberg was very down-to-earth when you I met, met her. Whoopi Goldberg? I did. Um, really? Whoopi was very sweet. Whoopi was the reason why I decided to put together a one-man show, and I got to tell that to Whoopi when I met her. And oh. And um, I got to, I went to a view taping, mm-hmm. and I got to blow her a kiss from the audience, and she blew it right back. Oh! And then a couple of months later, I went to go see her in Vegas, and then during the Q&A portion, she let me come up on the stage to hug her. Oh, that's so, so sweet. You never told me that story. Yeah. Oh, uh, when I met Kristen Wiig, um, I was a big fan of Bridesmaids, so I just went over very gently and was like, I'm really sorry, I'm going to geek out for a minute here. I was a really big fan of Bridesmaids. Thank you for sharing your gifts with the world. And then, because I know she wrote it with Annie Mumolo, and she was like, oh, how sweet. And then she gave me a hug. So I have met some celebrities that are very cool, very down. I mean, I've never met Beyonce, but my friend Shanice has met Beyonce Mm -hmm. and told me, Beyonce's really cool and down to earth. The only people who aren't like like that are actually like the lower level celebrities. Mm -hmm. Maybe because they're insecure about where they are their status. But the ones that are like A-list, they're like cool. They're down to earth. I met Blair Underwood, if you know him. Yes, I love Blair he's, Underwood. He's really cool. I didn't know it was Blair Underwood for half a second. When he left the area, he said hi to me. I said hi to him. And I looked at him and said like, don't I know you from somewhere? In my head, and, like, and I asked one of my friends and co-workers say, oh, that was Blair Underwood. They're like, oh my god, that was Blair Underwood. <laughs> and then <laughs> And then Jeff and I were actually hanging out in uh, Venice Beach uh, one day, and we saw Tim Meadows. And um, I loved him. And then Jeff, I wasn't sure how to break the ice, but Jeff just said, I'm sure you get this all the time, but you look so much like Tim Meadows. And he was like, I am. <laughs> and then, and then uh, that's when I chimed in and, and was like, well, uh, we're both really big SNL fans. And, and you know, he was, he was really cool. Yeah, and I know um, Dr. Richard Weber from Grey's Anatomy. Okay. He's really cool. He's really nice. Like, I know him by name. He knows me by name. He's like, hi. Hi, Jim. Hi, Steven. I'm like, yeah, I'll see you later. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like so nonchalant. Like, they're regular people. <laughs> Celebrities are regular people. Yes. They are people just like you and me. They're people just like anybody. We're all human beings at the end of the day. So, um, back to the episode. Back to the episode. Um... I uh, so I love how down to earth Natalie is and I love how Amanda tries to shamelessly suck up to Natalie but Natalie doesn't bite. Mhm. You know, I just love how um, she's so shamelessly but she ends up levitating towards Betty yeah. and the girls. Why? Because they're real people. Yes. And at the end of the day, like you said, celebrities are real people. So when you go up to celebrities, make sure you know Come go up to them with respect and knowing that you're seeing them at their most vulnerable selves. Like when they're walking around, they, they're just human and you just approach them like a human. Like, hey, George, I know I'm a huge fan of you. Like, this is not in real life. I'm not a huge fan of him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm so honored to meet you and you're really amazing. And then I'm just going to go now. I don't want your picture in today because I don't like you that much. <laughs> I, um, I actually have a rule when I meet celebrities, which is um, I try to have as much of a conversation as I can with them, and then 
if we're having a nice conversation, a nice vibe, I'll then politely ask for a picture. Mm. So, I mean, it just depends. You got to play it out. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to bum rush somebody and ask them for a picture, you know, just, just, you have to kind of, you have to kind of work up to that. But I mean, if it's like, if I meet Chris and Bell, when I work with Chris and Bell, not when I, when I work with her. Yes. And that will be, okay, we, we're getting the picture out the way right now. And then we can, then I'll geek out about you. And then respect you later. But I want the picture now. But, but back to, where are we I in love, episode? I love the editing with this episode with all the wipes. That yes. was something I really noticed watching this time around. Was I was like, God, they use a lot of these wipes for editing the episode. They, they did that for like the first, like, some of, most of the first season. Almost all, up to until the end of the first season. They like do like vroom, yeah. Vroom, it's so vroom. many wipes in their editing. I just I I was watching it just a couple of nights ago, and I was like, God, there's so many wipes in the editing of this episode. So that was just something worth com- commenting on. Oh my God, that poor bunny. That was so heartbreaking and funny at the same time. So for our listeners listening, the reason why it's called the box and the bunny, one of the reasons is because. Betty has this bunny that I think her sister gave her for graduation. Yeah. Queen's College, America's Most Valued Colleges. <laughs> and um, and so she puts the bunny on, on the desk. However, the bunny disappears, and then they keep, uh, somebody keeps sending Betty pictures. Somebody, air quotes. <laughs> we know who. Keeps sending pictures of the bunny, either in the toilet or being hung, or... <laughs> so- I mean, they, that poor bunny, you know, got the worst treatment out of everything in that episode. What was your favorite picture that Betty found of the bunny? I would have to say, God, it's a tie between the bunny being hung or the bunny in the toilet. I mean, My favorite one that she found in in the town car, her, 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 the bunny gag in her hand and she died. It's like, who the heck does that? That's so mean. <sighs> <sighs> okay, so in this episode, you you're still getting to know the characters, and you still definitely see the flaws in Daniel's character. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things I noticed this time around was Daniel is such a whore. I mean, you know, basically what happens is he tries to step up and be responsible and look at the book, the and. Book. You know, the, the infamous sacred book for but, Mode. But Wilmina did a lot of scheming for that. Yep. And um, and then he's about to look at the book for Mode magazine, obviously. And then and then Amanda comes in. Saying, Wilmina office gave me two tickets. That's your first clue, Daniel. Don't do that. When you hear Wilhelmina... And, no. but because it's Amanda who's delivering the news and he sleeps with Amanda. Mm. And this is going to be a storyline until, I think, the, the whole series, basically. Yeah, this um, lasts a while. I yeah. remember this, I mean, I, I'm going to, obviously, we're going to be watching this these episodes again, but this lasted for a while. It lasted for a while. It was very prevalent in, during the arc in the middle of the season. You know what I'm talking about when we get there? I'm gonna rewatch. Oh my gosh! Oh my. But I love how he says, um, "This can wait till the morning." <laughs> it's like, and then Betty um, takes a book home, which I wouldn't personally like. If I didn't get a phone call from my boss that does something very important, I would just hide it somewhere safe in my in the office. 
But I see why Betty took it, but Well, no. Betty, Betty always tries to do the right stand-up thing. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about Betty's character. She always tries to do the right thing. And so I, I love and respect that about the character of Betty Suarez. Yes, and then she took it home and then all hell broke loose. And then, of course, more Prada references. I saw Prada, like, seven times. You have the book? With Justin, yes. Betty's Betty's little brother. For those who are little listening. brother, you mean nephew? Nephew, sorry. It's held, yes. Oh my gosh! It's okay. like you didn't watch the first okay. episode. Okay, okay. Um, it's it's been a long day. All right. Yeah, it's I, been I, a I, very I, long day. I understand. When that. Betty's nephew, Thank who you. is Hilda's son, says, "You have the book," and then he's so excited about the book, he's like salivating over it. He's like, I saw Prada like seven times. And then Jeter walks in. Yep. And then she finds out that there's a book. And she has that eye. I love that look that she gives once they once they finally kick her out. And then say, oh, I warned you. And I love how she just wants her, her flat screen. I, I understand. And she just wants a plasma. I just want, you know. <laughs> and it's so nice how that's a TV that she wants back in the day. So going back to the show, I back love, to the show. I love how the father, um, Ignacio, points out the lack of diversity in the fashion magazine. Mm. He's like, they need more Latinas. You gotta have flavor. <laughs> I love that. I love that he immediately sees the lack of diversity because that's another issue that the fashion industry has is lack of diversity. I mean, that was the reason why there was a big fight between Tyra Banks and Naomi Campbell in the 90s, because there was only, and it wasn't a fight that either one of them wanted, but unfortunately, the fashion industry made the both of them believe that only one black woman could be on top. There was room for Christy Turlington, Linda Evangelista, Cindy Crawford, all these white models. There was room for all of them, but there could only be one black girl. And, and Na Naomi Campbell was there, and then Tyra was like, Creeping up. Creeping up, and then... I know they're good now, but yeah. back in the day... Back in the day, I mean, it was unfortunately... The fashion industry kind of put it in the both of their heads that, oh, there can only be one black girl on top. Kind of like with Brandy and Monica. Yeah, which is a shame. I wish the two of them would get over their little beef and tour together, because... Oh my god, that'd be an amazing tour if they toured together. If they tour together, I'll go with you. Oh... I'm, I'm saying that An now. Amazing tour. I am so excited for Brandy's new album that's coming out next month. It comes out next month. Yes, July 31st, B7. I'm so excited. That's what it's called? Yes, B7. It's right. her seventh album. I love that, um, I love that Anna, um, I'm, I'm using, I'm using the actress's name instead of the- Hilda. Hilda, who's played by the lovely and talented Anna Ortiz, who kills in this role. Yes, I love her. She's been working for a long oh, time. Oh, I love her so much, and she's so brilliant in this role. I love how Hilda threatens Sheena with a book before Betty intervenes, because obviously Hilda doesn't know how important this mm -hmm. book is, so she just picks up the book and starts threatening Sheena with it. No, 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 that's a book. <laughs> And I love the scene after, like, in the morning of when Betty finds out that the book is missing and she goes to Janet's house and that cat fight happens and <laughs> Anna Ortiz walks walks out and says, we owe you $5,000. Oh, 
and 50 cents. Well, there's a brilliant scene before that that I wanted to discuss, which was I love, um, I love the score, the musical score, when both Gina is stealing the book and Bradford Mead, Daniel's father, is stealing the music box. No, I thought, it was well, I thought it was Will and Amanda stole it. From, um, no, Bradford Mead was, um, was stealing it. So, um, Bradford Mead was sneaking into what looked like, I don't know if it was Faye Summers' house, or if it was a place where she was storing everything. It was a, because it was the apartment for Faye Summers. Okay. Because it was the auction for her house, and she had, he has a key, so he went in to yes, take everything, and, and he took a music box. Yes, and he burned a, a, a picture, photo, a picture photo of, of the two of them. And I love the score that, and I love the simultaneous cutting back and forth between the two. That's what, especially in the earlier season, they did that so well in the first few episodes when they were trying to show comparisons between two characters, how they're different. But still the same and yes. they relate. They do two different things, Bradford and um Gina and then in a, a episode in the future is Wilhelmina and Betty. Yep. And it shows the parallels how yes, you may come from completely different socioeconomic backgrounds, but you're you're still the same people. Yeah, we're all human and we're all human beings. And that's what the world needs to learn. We're all humans. Yes. We all come into this world alone, and we all leave this world alone. We're all human beings. And we all bleed red. Yes, we do. Oh my god, and you feel Betty's panic when the book is gone. You feel it. <sighs> and and she lies to Daniel when he says, oh yeah, I had the book. But she did tell, like, there is unretouched photos in there. And I love that Justin, Betty's nephew, is just as terrified as Betty. And, it, and they're... And um, Hilda and Ignacio are worried, and, and Ignacio wants to say, let me call her Gina's Hilga mom. or Hilda. I, I thought it was Hilda. You said Hilga. <laughs> We're not talking about Hey Arnold, and that's Helga. <laughs> You're a guest in my home. <laughs> um, I love how whenever Hilda needs to curse, uh, <laughs> Justin, put your headphones on. That... Bitch! <laughs> uh. <laughs> and then you go back to the office after that, and God, Amanda starts out so bitchy in this show. And she gets so... she. Well, it's not like she doesn't stop being bitchy. She gets warmer. She softens up over time, but God, in the beginning of the show, in the beginning of the series, she's so bitchy. Like, I, don't, I know you're, you're still rewatching it, but when you get halfway... Of the first season, she starts to warm up. Yes. She does go through her arc, and she goes through it much sooner than Mark does. Yes. And much sooner, much, much sooner than Wilhelmina. Yes. So, um, out of out of everybody in the mode world, outside of Christina and Daniel, Amanda really is the first one who does start to soften to Betty. And, um... You could argue that Bradford did it, because he hired her, and she's always been soft a softer to Betty. Oh, we haven't met that character yet, but, you know, someone's... Bradford? Like, well, that's that's Daniel's father. Yeah, but here. I was going to talk about another character that hasn't happened. Hasn't oh, okay. came up yet. And, well, also, and I, I don't know if I would say that Bradford necessarily was warm to Betty, just because Bradford only hired her so Daniel wouldn't sleep with her. So I don't know if that's exactly a warm and fuzzy he, feeling yeah, towards... Yeah, he warms up 
we finally see how warm he is towards Betty in the second season. Yeah, so I would say out of all the mode characters outside mm-hmm. of Christina and Daniel, Amanda is definitely the first one that starts to crack and soften. Yeah, I'm sorry for fighting for a wrong interpretation. Oh, it's okay. I mean, that's why I love having these discussions. I love dissecting these. Yes. Um, I love how Betty attempts to step up and be an adult. And, you know... And then in the next scene... Please! Please! (laughs) I mean, I mean, because... Ignacio's like, I'm going to call her parents. No, Dad, I'm not six. I, I am an adult. I'll hand it like an adult. And she just... Please! <laughs> She's, she has her head through the crack in the door. Please! <laughs> and then when she's finally going to, back, going to mode... Um, the well, I, love, I love the fight scene between Hilda and... Um, and, oh God, I'm already blanking on her name. Gina. Uh, Gina. I love the fight between Hilda and Gina because Hilda still comes. Mm-hmm. Hilda still comes to try to come to the rescue. And I love how, um, I love how Queens the fight was. And then at the end of the fight, two it's women. Itchy. It's two women pulling each other's weaves. It's very I don't think I don't think Anna was wearing a weave. Well, I think Gina was. That's why... And stitching him out. Okay, well, they were pulling each other's hair. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if if uh, Hilda had a weave too, but they were definitely pulling each other's hair. Why are you being stereotypical to queens? Well, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> you get to see. You don't see that in Manhattan. Okay, moving on. <laughs> you don't see that in the elite Manhattan world of Mode magazine. I mean, as far as you know. Yeah. And next is Betty is going back to the office, and the driver of Betty texts Wilhelmina, oh, Betty doesn't have the book. Her next-door neighbor has it. (laughs) And it's like, it must be my lucky day. And then she sends Mark over to get it. I um, I love the cat and mouse that continues between Daniel and Wilhelmina. Yes. Especially in the elevator. Yeah. Because he's trying to close it and she gets in just in the nick of time. And then, um... Even though Daniel does not have cards right now, he he says, oh yeah, you left the unretouched photos there. You're old. Uh, oh uh, yeah, it's like a chess game between Daniel and Wilhelmina. And Wilhelmina has a perfect line about chess and checkers in season two. I, I know I'm skipping ahead, because I know this this show by heart, and I know all the lines. I can. And I was gonna talk about that and how even gets a dig in about her age because of the glasses remark. Huh. <laughs> you need glasses, basically, is what is what uh, he is what Daniel says to Wilhelmina. And I love how they ended that scene with the doors closing on Wilhelmina with that face, like, huh. Hmm. I love the twist with the driver turning out to be Wilhelmina's intel. Yeah, because he, he's been in that in multiple episodes. Because that's how Wilhelmina finds out that Betty doesn't have the book. Yes, I, I said that. Yeah. And what's, after that, Mark, Wilhelmina says Mark to get the book. And then Wilhelmina leaks about the unretouched photos and everybody freaks out. And then Betty says, 
you know what? I'm going to quit. I'm tired of this. And then she goes to the elevator, meets Natalie, says, I'm sorry about this. This is my fault. I thought you looked beautiful, and I'm just going to leave. And then Natalie storms back into, up to the office and that don't you can't fire that wonderful assistant of yours. She just gave me a great idea how to solve this whole thing. Well, one of the things that I love about this episode in particular is how this episode was very brave in tackling the fashion industry and how retouching is so wrong. Just because it's very demeaning and it's very it objectifies a woman and I really feel like this episode is a really good precursor to the Time's Up and Me Too movement. Yes, that was, it was so, this was very, very pre-Me Too, Time's Up, women power, we will, we will get equality whether you like it or not. We will not be objectified. And we will silence not, no more. We will not be, you will not be demeaning to us anymore. And I know that we're two men talking about it, but we're two gay men, so we're, we're fully on your side. Yep, LGBTQ is in the house. And um, one of the things I love about watching a 2006 show in 2020 is, oh, you get the references of the times, of specific current events that were happening back then. The first one that I caught this time around that I didn't mm -hmm. catch last time was, speaking of, we were talking about Tyra Banks earlier, there's a reference to Tyra's talk show. Because uh, Mark comes in with the book and says, she just couldn't miss another episode of Tyra. Uh, I remember when Tyra Banks had a talk show. Yeah, five seasons. Wow. It started in the fall of 2005, and it went all the way until the spring of 2010. Five seasons. Aren't you so old? <laughs> She was making her bid to be the next Oprah. Yeah, Bankable Productions. I kind of wish she stayed at it. I mean, I really feel like she could have gotten Oprah's audience because Oprah retired in 2011. You know so. who got her audience, though? Ellen did. Yep. But Ellen's Ellen's also um, Ellen's also getting up there. And I don't think Ellen's going to do it much longer either, so I wonder who's going to be next. And now Kelly Clarkson's making a bid with her Kelly Clarkson show. Um, I think Karamo from Queer Eye is going to be doing a talk show. He could possibly be the next Oprah. We'll see. I mean, he's very he's very spiritual. He's very He loves to advise his, his um, the heroes on Queer Eye, and he's very he's very much like a therapist. So it's like he's definitely making that bid to be the next Oprah. I, I should, feel I should. There's only one Oprah, but if anyone's the next Oprah, I'll be the next Oprah. We'll see. Yes. Oprah, I'm coming for your title. We will see. <laughs> but where, where are we now in the episode? Well, um, one of the other things I really noticed from this episode is Betty is Daniel's conscious, conscience. Yes. Uh, Betty is Daniel's voice of reason. For the whole show. Yeah. Betty is Daniel's conscience. And it will never, never change at all. And there was another, there was another reference to the times, which is when, which is when, um, Natalie's publicist is like, this is Mel Gibson bad. Because for those of you listening who don't know or have any idea what we're talking about, there was a little scandal in 2006 where Mel Gibson was very drunk and he said in front of a bunch of paparazzi that 
the the Jews were responsible for all the wars in this world. So um, yeah, that didn't go over very well, and uh, that that definitely put a little uh, damper on Mr. Gibson's career there. Small one, just so um, and and didn't he did didn't he do the Passion of the Christ? That was two years before the scandal. Okay. And that was already another scandal, actually, about the controversy behind the Passion of the Christ, was that, you know, yes, it is very dramatic and over-the-top and exaggerated, and it does also blame the Jewish community. So that was another... That was another... That's still a good movie. I still have to watch it. I've never seen it. Yeah. I still have to watch it. Um, I love... Um, I love how bold Natalie is to point out the hypocrisy of the fashion industry. And she said, oh, I'll release the picture on retouch. I'm that bold. I don't care. Yeah, I'm just tired of the hypocrisy that we all have to be perfect and airbrushed. And, you know, not every woman looks like that. And not every woman is ever going to look like that. So. And I love how that message actually made Ripple's effect in the whole... Not the fat, not just only the fashion industry, but the entertainment industry and the music industry, and then you know, like life imitates art, so it's out there in the real world. Every every person, no matter what shape or size, we can do whatever we want. We just have to live our truth and be the best versions of ourselves. And um, this episode also really showed how Christina is such a good friend because she comes back at the end of the episode after the bunny is found on Betty's desk, pretty much destroyed. And uh, she attempts to sew the bunny back together. And I love that spe speech that Betty gives Amanda. I said, you know what, we're still worse for wear, but it's, it's going to take a lot more than this to bring us down. And then Amanda said, I'm still prettier. Yep. And, and I say, <laughs> You say it exactly like her, which is why I know you would be Amanda. Who, why are you trying to say? Did I say that a lot or something? It, you, the way she said it is the same exact way you would say it. I'm still prettier. Well, I am still prettier. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, Daniel does have an incredible arc in this episode. I mean, the thing about Daniel is... I don't know. Um, thinking about it now, it's like, I wonder if he has the best arc out of everybody in the show. Because he comes into the series as a playboy hot shot who only got this job because of who his daddy was mm -hmm. and he has to really grow up and be responsible and so i i do wonder if he does have the best arc out of all the characters in this in and this series I, and i think we should revisit this question after the last episode once we do the season this whole series fin whole series review once we finish season four who had the best art? That's definitely one of the questions I want to touch. Yeah, because, I mean, looking at it just now, a couple of episodes in, revisiting this show, I'm like, God, Daniel has a great arc. Because he starts out as, like, this playboy who has no responsibilities, not a care in the world, and then all of a sudden he has the weight of the world of the fashion industry on his shoulders when all of a sudden he is given editor-in-chief of um, Mode Magazine, which is basically Vogue. Mm -hmm. and Or L. Or L. Those, those are really the only two big ones, right? Harper Bazaar, and... I feel like that one didn't quite become L in Vogue, but I could be wrong. I don't know a lot about the fashion industry, so anybody anybody listening to this, feel free to write to us. Yeah, I'm, I'm his fashion conscious, don't worry. <laughs> ha! 
And I love the um, I love the cliffhanger ending with the mystery and Bradford burning the picture of him and Faye Summers. But he's still holding on to the music box. Yeah. He can't burn it. Oh dear Faye. And that's the end of the second episode. So what was your thoughts on the second on the second episode of Ugly Betty rewatching it? I mean, I, I pick up new things every time I rewatch it. Just subtle references. Like, I totally miss the Tyra reference. Or it's like, oh yeah, that's right. Tyra Banks had a talk show. And that was a big deal back then. And I love the Beyonce Pyromania sketch. Thing. It's like, what the heck? And the Fanny Pack article is like, were Fanny Packs still a thing? Well, I, I mean... They were around. I mean, maybe not as popular in the 2000s as they were in the 90s, and but I think they were still around. Fanny Packs in 2020, when we're recording this right now, they're coming back. Well, I, uh, well you, I'm sure you can put your mask in a fanny pack. I'm sure there's a lot of things you can put in your fanny pack now. Yes, there's a lot of things. I'm not going to even touch <laughs> that. But yeah, I think this was a great second episode. Like... The first episode was good. The second episode is good. And yes, I do know the whole series, so I know how the whole series goes. And that's why I'm doing a rewatch of the whole show. And this was such a good, fun episode. Funny lines. Great moments. Yeah. How? What would you rate this episode out of I 10? Mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of hard to say. I mean, I Do you want to start rating the episodes? Not really, because okay. I, I can't think of a single bad episode. Me too. I can't think of a single bad episode. I feel like this series never jumped the shark. Yes, and the and the, I don't know why they got canceled if they well, jumped the shark. ABC unfortunately made the big mistake because um, Ugly Betty was actually a good, consistent performer for the network when it was at its Wednesday time slot for its first three seasons. Then for season four, they move it to Friday night. What did they put in on Wednesday? Well, Wednesday they decided. The fall of 2009 was when the fourth season launched. Mm -hmm. ABC decided to do a comedy night on Wednesday nights. So that was when Modern Family premiered. That was when The Middle premiered. That was when Cougar Town with Courtney Cox premiered. I mean, they were... And then there was a sports show. I think it was called Back to You or something. That one didn't last Wait, that long. Wait, um, Modern Family premiered in 2010? 2009. What? Really? Yes. That was the first season of Modern Family. So all four of those shows... I think it was called Back to You, or there was another show that was, it didn't last as long as Modern and Cougar Town and um, The Middle did. But that's what they put on Wednesday nights, and they moved Ugly Betty to Friday nights. And I hate when networks do that, because usually when a network... Friday nights is the death slot. Yeah, the Friday night death slot. So every time a network moves something to Friday nights, they're trying to kill it, basically. They're trying to make sure that the ratings drop enough, that way ABC can go, well, this show doesn't have that loyal of a following. We can get rid of it. Because, like, Fridays, like, people go out on Fridays. Yeah, nobody really stays at home and watches television on Friday night. Wanna... And I think this is where we're going to end our show. On... But signing off, my name is Steven. My name is George. And the next episode will be Season 1, Episode 3. Queens Queen... for a Day. And what the perfect title that is. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. I thought we were going to say it together. Well. Can we try it again? Bye. What? So, we're, so tune in for our next episode when we discuss. When the next episode we're going to watch is Queens, Queens for, for a day. day. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. <laughs>